Tune in to the Bridging the Gap radio show, hosted by Pastor Hugh Harmon, live every Sunday at 5 p.m. on Never Had It So Good Gospel 107. Be a part of this challenging but life-changing show discussing men versus males, educational issues, parenting tips, and learning how to be faithful in trying times. That's the Bridging the Gap radio show, hosted by Pastor Hugh Harmon, live every Sunday at 5 p.m. Call in and be a part of the show at 347-855-8867 on Never Had It So Good Gospel 107. Remember, positive communication is the key to success. Powered by Never Had It So Good Sports Media Network. This is the 15-minute lunch break with Pastor Hugh J. Harmon here on Never Had It So Good Gospel 107. Again, I want to thank you for and appreciate you for tuning in every Tuesday and Thursday at 12 noon for these 15 minutes of live inspiration, motivation, and exhortation, as it were. Uh, sometimes from the Word of God, sometimes from personal experience, sometimes just from the wisdom of life experiences that have been fortunate to go through. I hope that today's episode will do much of the same. Today, I want to talk about a cancerous condition, a cancerous condition. In the scriptures, Isaiah 5 and 20 says, woe unto them that call evil good and good evil, that put darkness for light and light for darkness, that put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. The poetry and the prose used by Isaiah here is startling, but it is clear. It gets to the point. Um, The figures are startling. Cancer is the number two cause of death among both adult males and females in the United States. If you go as far back as statistics from 1996, U.S. Centers of Disease Control and the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, it says that cancer is responsible for 23% of the deaths reported in this country, second only to heart disease. I believe that percentage is even higher today. Cancer comes in many forms, lung cancer, colorectal cancer, breast cancer, prostate cancer, and skin cancer, just to name a few. The chances of an adult male or female American contracting cancer has increased to more than 1,800%. That's not a typo. That's not a mistake. 1,800% since the 1930s. Cancer kills. And that's a fact. But even more insidious is the fact that cancer lies undetected in many sufferers for several years. That's a treacherous trait of cancer. Cancer is often a slow, silent killer. By definition, cancer is a malignant tumor that tends to spread in the body. However, it is the most difficult disease to treat and to eliminate from the body. Why is cancer so difficult to deal with and treat? How is the effect of cancer relative to that of sin in the lives of men? As we look at the statistics and facts surrounding the medical phenomenon diagnosed as cancer, we can draw a parallel with much of the problems faced by men and women in their spiritual walk. Just as cancer is a major cause of physical death, so too it is a major cause of spiritual death almost daily in our society. Lung cancer is the leading cause of cancer death among U.S. men and women. 
But what is the leading cause of spiritual cancer that is annihilating men and women, not only in this country, but all over the world? Medical research has over the years brought light to the fact that lung cancer is as a result of long-term smoking. The backlash of cigarette company lawsuits that have been aimed at quelling the enticement of youth and adults alike into the habit of smoking is just an indicator of how eyes are being opened to the problem. The connection between smoking cigarettes and the occurrence of lung cancer may be an easy relationship to see. However, the connection between sin and the occurrence of spiritual cancer may be more difficult to identify. Even more deceptive is the fact that spiritual cancer is a condition that some people never detect. It is a condition that many go through life and believe that they are not victims of it, even though they are. When does the sinful condition that one is in reach a level of malignancy that corrodes slowly and fatally? Is there a cure for spiritual cancer? How can it be treated? What are the spiritual indicators of an onset of spiritual cancer? When is it too late for spiritual cancer to be treated? A few years ago, I was fortunate enough or unfortunate enough rather to have close contact with and to lose a cousin of mine to leukemia, a form of cancer. She was just a few years my senior she did not find out about her condition until about six months before she actually passed. Her life up to that point was one of relatively slow development. She was born developmentally disabled and as a result, although she completed much of the accomplishments that anyone her age would have, she did it in a bit longer time. Nevertheless, she made it through school, got a job, was pretty much self-sufficient by the age of 27, and then came cancer. It was as if all the hurdles of learning disability and the discouraging words of peers that she had overcome was all for naught. After months of bone marrow treatments, chemotherapy, prayer, and waiting, her battle with this deadly form of cancer was lost. However, despite her physical defeat at the hands of the multiplying cells, my cousin went through probably the greatest spiritual growth and development of her entire life. She was victorious in the spirit, even to the point of death. Leukemia is a form of cancer in which the white blood cells, leukocytes, increase greatly and rapidly in number. As with most cancers, it is an occurrence of cellular reproduction that goes beyond what the body normally could handle. Cells are the structural and functional units of growth and development in all living matter. All living things are composed of cells. In order for something to be considered living, it must be made up of cells. In order for a living organism to grow, it must produce new cells. So the development and production of cells is essential to life. Guess what? In cancer, the body's actually doing what is natural. It's producing new cells. However, although it's doing something natural, it is doing it in an unnatural way. Cells collect to form tissue in living organisms. This is a natural occurrence. In cancer, however, cells collect to form tumors. This is an unnatural occurrence. Tissue stays in a particular location and is responsible for a specific function in a living organism. However, a tumor spreads and usually interrupts the proper functioning of various parts of an organism. In the human psyche, sin causes you to practice evil. This is a natural occurrence due to the sinful condition of man earned by birthright. However, when sin causes you to not only practice evil, but also think on evil, walk in evil, believe that evil is okay, this is an unnatural occurrence. When one starts to rationalize that 
the evil that one is involved in and you become comfortable with the developing tumor of a sinful lifestyle, you're a victim of spiritual cancer. When absolute truth becomes the father of subjective relativism, that is when the line dividing right from wrong has been erased. Today, we're facing probably the greatest resistance to Christian worldview that we've ever seen. It's not that the severity of opposition to fundamental Christian belief is being more vigorously instigated, but it is the fact that many who profess to be Christian are finding themselves identifying with the beliefs that are waging the opposition. Ignorance of the fundamental tenets of Christian belief, such as those elements vested in the historical creeds of the ancient church, are partly to blame. In addition, the influence of popular culture and thought on the purpose of spirituality has caused many Christians to unconsciously buy into deeply unchristian beliefs. As with the slow, deliberate, and often secret incursion that most cancers take as they inflict injury on the tissues and the organs of a sufferer, so too is a slow and deliberate and often disguised influence of unchristian practices and beliefs into the psyche of professed Christians. As a result, the body of Christ is essentially infected with a bout of deadly cancer. I've always been the type to believe that Christianity is not only a religion, but is essentially a lifestyle that changes people. Most people who have had a Damascus Road experience that led them to a revelation of who Jesus Christ was and is in their lives came to Christianity with expectation for a brighter, happier, easier life and the one they had absent of God's blessed covering. I do believe that if you come to Jesus broken, he can make you whole. If you come bruised and abused, he'll give you comfort and healing. Knowing the sensation of being baptized in the Holy Spirit is to know what it means to feel Jesus' joy. Fundamental Christianity is a feel-good sensation. However, it is not an accept-all situation. Yes, all that call on the name of Jesus with a sincere heart will be saved. However, as a Christian, even though you are to embrace all in love and beseech them through preaching, teaching, witnessing, living the gospel, you're still not supposed to accept all beliefs and doctrines just as a show of love. Seeking peace is different from compromising beliefs to quell conflict. Let me tell you a story. The Eskimos are among the greatest hunters of the world, but there's one animal that is the most difficult for them to catch. This animal has the greatest intellect, the keenest sense of smell, the sharpest eyesight. Yet for the Eskimos to survive, they must trap and kill this animal before it destroys their way of life. The animal I speak of is the white wolf. The white wolf has a sense of smell that can detect the presence of a human up to two miles away. It's suggested that the white wolf's eyesight is so great that if a man had the same eyesight, he could read a newspaper from 150 yards away. It is their eyesight, their sense of smell, and their cunning that makes them the most difficult animal to bring down. And yet the Eskimos have developed and devised a tactic that never fails. And it is similar to the tactic that the devil uses to attack Christians and to cause that sin of cancer, that cancer of sin rather, to develop in us. The Eskimos, just like the devil says, that there's no sense in going against all the ability that the white wolf possesses. There's no sense in going after the power of God in you. To bring down the white wolf, the Eskimos take a knife and they sharpen it to a razor's edge. Then they put it outside and let it freeze. Then they dip it in blood. They freeze it again, 
and again until there's a thick coat of frozen blood on the knife. Then they go out into the wilderness and plant it in the ground with the blade pointed up. The wolf scenting the blood on the blade and sensing that there's no danger believes he had a free lunch. There's nothing to be alarmed about, so he makes his way to the knife. The blood has drawn him to it, and he licks it, and nothing happens. He licks it again, and yet again, nothing appears to happen. But with each lick, he, the wolf, is working his way closer and closer to what will eventually kill him. How many believers are tempted like that? Those that are tempted to mix God's standard for your life with man's standard. How about those who are tempted to take that lustful glance at pornography and find yourself developing a habit and eventually an addiction? Then there are those of us who take the first drink of that first swig or that first pull and we are hooked. The myriad of those that have tempted to cheat on the test and cheat on their spouses that are also snared like this wolf. The trick is that the wolf, after a few harmless licks, gets comfortable and begins to lick faster and faster as he tastes the frozen blood. The blood is deceptive because it fools the senses of the wolf to anticipate and expect a substantive meal. But all he really has is a frozen blade covered in blood. Then he gets to the blade, but he continues to lick despite the fact that he's cutting his own tongue. The frozen blade is another layer of deception. He tastes his own blood, but he continues to lick until the blade is clean and his tongue is shredded. He never walks more than a mile before he bleeds to death and the hunter has won. The devil has planted disguised bloody blades among us. And all he wants is for you to get comfortable with the first few licks. He deceives you by saying no one will ever see. No one will ever know. You're safe. There's no harm in doing that. Some satanic blades are beautiful in appearance, desirable to the touch, something to belong for, something that will bring satisfaction and something that will arouse pleasure. But these blades will destroy your life. <laughs> know that when you're chosen, there are even more blades being planted in your life. First Peter 5 and 8 tells us, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy the devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. This is your 15-minute lunch break, and I want to leave this with you. Don't let that cancerous condition take a hold. Get right and get in his will. God bless. Tune in to the Bridging the Gap radio show, hosted by Pastor Hugh Harmon, live every Sunday at 5 p.m. on Never Had It So Good Gospel 107. Be a part of this challenging but life-changing show discussing men versus males, educational issues, parenting tips, and learning how to be faithful in trying times. That's the Bridging the Gap radio show, hosted by Pastor Hugh Harmon, live every Sunday at 5 p.m. Call in and be a part of the show at 347-855-8867 on Never Had It So Good Gospel 107. Remember, positive communication is the key to success. Powered by Never Had It So Good Sports Media Network.